away. And uh, Wednesday nights, I can't wait. We're going to get back in our series teaching at some point. But tonight, we're just all getting back together. The kids are having a party. I want to have a party upstairs. I want to I want, I want to preach. I want to get into the Word of God. Anybody going to just say amen or, or just kind of try and preach with me? We, I at least have four. The rest of you get warmed up. <laughs> that won't take long. And you'll be right there with me. Let's go to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. Starting at verse 1, it says, It came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go, show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. I'll preach on this topic. The best days are still ahead. The best days are still ahead. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for every man, woman, and child who is either in person, watching online, tuning into a later podcast. God, we're so grateful, Lord Jesus, that you are able to speak to people around the world. It's not just people that consider themselves members of this church, God, but I know that there are people tuning in who may not say this is my home church, but that your word can impact their lives. Your word can come alive to them, Lord, in a powerful way. Lord, anoint me, God. Help us to set aside every distraction, everything that has happened before service, everything that might be waiting for us after, that we set it aside and say, God, right now, speak to me. Speak to me in this service. Speak through me, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. The famine was a punishment from God on Israel for the way that they were living. They had not only turned away from God, they were actually worshiping the false God named Baal. And their evil behavior started at the top. It started with the man King Ahab and his vile wife Jezebel. And when you jump down to verse 17, it says, It came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said to him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? I find it interesting that even in the Old Testament, when people are not living right, they tend to look at truth as trouble. Truth is like an obstacle. It gets in the way of what you're wanting to do. But, oh, you're the one that troubleth Israel? No, I'm the one that's trying to preach to you the word of God. I'm not trying to bring trouble. I'm trying to get you out of trouble is what Elijah was trying to do. And later, Ahab actually, he even calls, he even calls Elijah the enemy. Thou art mine enemy. And Elijah answered, he says, he says, I'm not troubled, Israel, thou and thy father's house, in that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. And my wife and I were just talking about this before we left for church, that what we're seeing in society right now is a result of sin. And it's what happens when a nation falls away or walks away from God, and now we're seeing the result of their children being raised in homes that walked away from God. And as a result of that, what are we seeing? We are seeing sin be accepted, accepted and run rampant in society. The church's voice cannot be snuffed out. The church's voice cannot be silenced. And guess what? That's not preachers just with a microphone. That is you. You're the church. You have to have a voice in this society. Well, how do I do that? Do I go out and try and get a news interview? Or No, no, no. You just stand for things. You just speak things. You live things. You, 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 you invite people to small groups and Bible study and church. You let them see the fruit of God's spirit in your life. 
don't live ashamed of what you, of what you know and live and breathe and the way you act and the things you believe in. And so therefore, he says, send another and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal, 450 prophets, the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent all unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets to Mount Carmel. So Elijah's the prophet, Ahab's the king, severe famine in Samaria at this time. And Elijah was the one who proclaimed the famine in the first place from God. But during this time of famine, God tells Elijah to approach King Ahab and to call him out and say, you're not right. You're not right with God. And so I'm here to talk to you about that. And he says, I'm going to challenge you. Get 450 prophets. I'm going to come by myself. We're going to gather on Mount Carmel. And you might know this story. We'll see which God consumes the sacrifice with fire. So in that time, the 450 prophets, they would gather around. And they would try to cut themselves and bleed to get their false god Baal's attention. And they would bleed, be bleeding and gushing blood and cutting themselves and laying and oh, wailing and weeping. And Elijah starts to get sarcastic when you read read the story. He's like, maybe he's going to the bathroom. Maybe he's busy. He just, he just starts just ribbing him and just jabbing at him and making fun of him to the point where all of a sudden he says, all right, my turn. Go ahead, douse the sacrifice. Put water around it on top of it. Make a trench. I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, my God is the one true God. He did not care that he was outnumbered. He was like 450, one, I'm good, bring it on. Because I know this is not me versus them. This is their false God versus my God. And even in society, sometimes it feels like, well, it's us versus them or me versus them. It's not. It's, it's the God of this world versus the God of the universe. And I'm on the God of the universe's side, and so I'm going to continue to reflect his image and do what I can because the battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. And so I don't have to stress. I just have to stay in the fight. And so, of course, God, he consumes the sacrifice, and Elijah calls down fire from heaven, and the, and the sacrifice is consumed. Can you imagine yourself at that moment? Have you, ever, have you ever maybe sang a song and felt the anointing of God? Have you ever preached or taught a Sunday school class, a youth seminar, felt the anointing of God? Have you ever laid hands on someone at an altar call and felt the anointing of God? Have you ever done anything where you felt God like flowing through you? Like, wow, that was incredible. It is one of the most exhilarating, incredible feelings in the world when the, 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 the Holy Spirit of God Almighty begins to flow in you and you feel miraculous things, anointed words and thoughts as you begin to speak to people and you're just like, wow. Imagine how he would have felt. Imagine 450 people. You just had a standoff and you kind of won. And you're like, uh, yeah, now watch this. God of heaven, you prayed a prayer and fire just came down and, and licked up all the water, consumed your sacrifice, and there were hundreds of people there to watch it. You almost would have to guard yourself a little bit against pride because you'd be like, showed you all. Right? So Elijah, he's, he's like, I'm on cloud nine. I don't care 450 to one. Let's do this because I will show you whose God is the Lord. And he looks at King Ahab and says, an abundance of rain is coming. So you better get back to the city. And the clouds had not even formed yet. It's in the middle of a famine, remember? And so he goes, not only going to show you my God's the most powerful and consumes the sacrifice, but they all thought like, oh, the God of the rain and the God of the Nile and the God of this, all these false gods that they worshiped. He goes, now watch this. Not only does my God do this, watch the storm that's getting ready to come. 
storm. There are not even any clouds in the sky. It does not matter. Just watch the storm. Elijah knew if he spoke it, it's a matter of time that God is, it's going to happen. We need more of that attitude in the 21st century church. We need more of the, man, I just hope God, I just, I just hope God, I, I just, I don't know, I just wonder where God, I hope God, are we talking like that? We need the church to say, watch what my God is going to do. I prayed, God spoke, God's in control, watch and see what God is going to do. We need that. And so... Elijah then takes off and miraculously outruns the chariot that Ahab's on. Folks, this is, a, this is a pretty solid day. Like, I woke up this morning, challenged 450 people. There were hundreds of others watching. I called down fire from heaven. God consumed the sacrifice, licked up all the water around it. I called that there was a storm coming before the storm even came. And then they think that, like, Usain Bolt of Jamaica is fast. Watch me. I'm going to run past the chariot that's being pulled by horses. And, I mean, like, people would be thinking, like, this guy's a superhero. This everything God's everything God's using this man in a miraculous way. And so Elijah comes into the city after one great victory after another. And you got to imagine, famine's going to be over. God's going to send the rain. He just consumed the sacrifice. I call these things out. Now I'm going to walk into the city. What do you think Elijah was expecting to happen when he walked into the city? It's been a great day so far. I'm fixing to walk into this city. People are already going to be slain in the spirit. Revival is coming to Israel. Samaria, it's, it's, I mean, like, they're going to be like, Elijah, hallelujah, like King David, you know, like, David killed his thousands, and Elijah, man, he, he, he done called down fire from heaven, he looked at Elijah, he's amazing, what a man of God, and they all turn to God, and, and Ahab and Jezebel are on their, their, their knees weeping and saying, I'm repenting, we want to turn toward God, or at the very least, God was just going to already remove them, and he was going to walk in and anoint a new king over Israel, like, you got to think about what he was expecting when he walked back to the, ran, outran horses, Back to the city that day. He's thinking, well, this is, it's been a good day. And it's going to continue to be a good day. I'm on top of the world. God is doing absolutely everything that I expected him to do today. We usually do a great job when God does everything we expect him to do. Man, church is easy. When God does everything we expect him to do. I expect God, I pray God healed. Wow. I pray God restored. Wow. I pray finances, they were there. I mean, wow, God is good. Let me tell you about my testimony. On top of the world, then something changed. Elijah outran the horse, came in. Big disappointment. 2020 didn't go the way we planned. Man, I was having a good day until 2020 hit. I saw this shirt recently. I, you know, like the Google review. 
2020, very bad, would not recommend. Anybody else read reviews before you go to a restaurant or call a plumber or anybody? Does anybody read reviews? Raise your hand. Does anybody just close their eyes and say, yeah, right here, this one? How's that work out? I don't know. That's, I guess it's 50, you know, for me, when I do remodel projects, I, 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 I'm like, I'm 50, 50. I, I don't ever have something like just kind of go well. It's either an absolute home run, they're incredible, the price is great, or like the building inspector's coming and I'm having to tear down stairs and start over. Like, I'm nowhere in between. And half the time I do, I, I always check reviews. I'm sure you know my personality. I've probably, I've already had three bids and checked all the reviews. I've called, I've called their cousins from their, their mom's marriage back in another state, okay? I mean, like, but 2020 did, you know, for, for Elijah, it didn't go the way he wanted to. Well, it's kind of, we can relate to that. 2020 just hasn't been going exactly as we all planned it to go. Matter of fact, 2020 hasn't gone the way any human being in the whole world has planned it to go. In Elijah's case, God's doing a lot for him, and so he has. Sometimes the more God does for you, the higher the expectation you have. I mean, God did this. I never would have called down the rain in the middle of famine. Fire was consumed, took the sacrifice, and then I outran horses. What's next? Because being used by God can be exhilarating, but sometimes you can crash really hard when you're up here, and then he doesn't do exactly what you think he should do in the time he should do it, and you can fall real hard if your only faith is when his, he's acting on your behalf instead of just trusting him for who he is and that he always knows best. And so... He's thinking this is going to be revival. But one of his best days turns to one of his worst days. And it happens in one conversation. God begins to allow some things to happen he doesn't expect. In verse not, chapter 19, verse 1, it says, Ahab told Jezebel all Elijah had done. Ahab was pretty impressed. He saw it for himself. Doesn't sound like Jezebel saw it for herself. And when she got the secondhand story, she's like, excuse me if I'm not impressed. With all, he slain the prophets with the sword, and Jezebel sent a message to Elijah. And she said, oh, I heard you're amazing. I want to meet you. I, I am just so blown away by your greatness with God. Jezebel says, go get Elijah. Tell him this. Let the gods do to me. And more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them tomorrow at this time, and when he saw that, he arose and he went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, left his servant there. Hold on. This same guy that called 450 prophets to the side of a mountain said, go ahead, you start and talk trash to them and managed to call down fire from heaven, then call a storm into existence in the middle of a famine and then outrun horses, got scared from a letter from a woman that was in charge of the city. What just happened? What just transpired right there? He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and sat under a juniper tree. This dude starts pouting under a juniper. What's with these prophets? Remember Jonah? He went and found a gourd, a, tr a tree in the, oh, you destroyed the gourd. And he's mad at God. Like, what's with the prophets who go find trees and mope under them? 
I don't know, maybe it works. I got a tree in my front yard. When I'm not having a good day, if you ever come over and I'm sitting with my legs crossed in front of my tree, underneath the tree on the, on the landscape rocks, just know like, oh, we'll, we'll be back. We'll come back a different day. And he's sitting there and he's going, he's requesting that I might die. It's enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I'm not better than my father's. Thank the Lord God Almighty that I'm not God and you're not God. Because what would you do? It's like your kids, like, oh, let's go get a hamburger. Let's go get an ice cream. You can pick out a toy. And then they're like, I wanted two toys. I'd be like, oh, no, you didn't. God's like, what? They're sitting there, oh, just kill me. Oh, this is terrible. What a terrible. And he lay and slept under a juniper tree. Behold, an angel came, touched him, and said, arise and eat. Does anybody do well with pouting? You're like, somebody pouts, and then you're like, oh, I feel really bad you're pouting, so let me help you out. You know, adults still pout, which is mind-boggling to me. Like, kids don't just pout. Adults pout. I'm like, does that work for anybody? Does anybody say, oh, I feel bad because you're pouting? I'm just like, you're pouting? Thank you for giving me ammunition to, to be even more forceful about not giving in to what you're wanting. Right? And so he's sitting here, he's pouting. The angel says, get up and eat. Verse 8, he arose and he did eat and drink and went to the strength and the meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Oreb, the mount of God. And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. Now he's hiding in a cave. So now he's done with the tree and he's in a cave. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you, what are you doing here, Elijah? I don't think that was just like God, hey, Elijah, man, it's good to see you. So what's been up? I think that's God being like, Elijah, what is, what is wrong with you? What, what are you doing here? Last I talked to you, we were calling down. I was sending fire. I was sending rain. You were out running horses. Son, that's not your speed. I helped you with that. What are you doing here? And he said, I've been very jealous for the Lord. Don't we do that sometimes when we're frustrated with God? God, I have served you this many years. I have paid tithes. I've served in ministry. I do as good as I can. We tend to do that when we get frustrated with God. We give him like the resume of all the things we do as if he didn't know. As if we could say, you owe me something. He says, the children of Israel have forsaken the covenant, thrown down the altar, slain the prophets. He's like, really? When did this change? Oh, with Jezebel? With a letter from Jezebel? This is, everything shifted right there. And I, even I'm the only one left. Now, this is interesting. Because when he was the only one on Mount Carmel facing the other prophets, he was totally fine. But when the enemy can speak something into us that we will embrace instead of say, get thee hence. And we start to embrace and say, yeah, I wonder, man. And we start to, to cognitively take time to process those thoughts that are not from God. It's just a matter of time. The only difference that happens for Elijah here, he has the, he's still the same, outnumbered. One against many. When he was prayed up and ready to go, he was like, bring it on. God's this, God's fight. 
But when he began to take heed to the voice of the enemy, now he was going, no, they won't. Something hiding out in the cave. The juniper tree wasn't good enough. Now I'm in the cave. I don't want to go darker than the juniper tree. I still got light. I want to be in the dark. My dad, he used to walk in. I'd be tired in the morning trying to get up for school, and he'd flip on a light and say, it's not good for man to dwell in darkness. I'm like, dude, dad, it's like 630 in the morning. I'm trying to eat my cereal without milk. And you're flipping on lights. But he says, oh, God, I'm the only one left. He's, he's, he's probably scared, mad, frustrated, confused, disappointed, sad, depressed, discouraged, hurt. God wasn't meeting his expectations. Why would God let this happen? Have you ever had God not meet your expectations? This is where the wrestling began for Elijah. Our superhero Elijah, he starts feeling these terrible things, especially defeat and betrayal. He feels totally alone. And we can sit here and laugh about Elijah's story, but the reason we can laugh so hard is because we can relate so well. Because I don't care how super spiritual, how many hours you pray a day or how many weeks you fast in a month, there are days where the enemy says something to you say, and you're like, man, Sunday's off the call. It's powerful. I was praying and crying and worshiping, jumping, dancing. I felt like top of the world. And by Wednesday, I'm like, please, I need to fill up. Where's the gas tank? I'm on empty. I feel alone. I feel like nobody cares. I feel like I'm fighting all these battles. And God, help me. Well, Elijah feels alone. And so he says, I, even I, am the only one left. But I find it interesting that he, the same person, but he changed when God didn't respond the way he wanted him to. When God does not respond how we want him to, we sometimes will carry ourselves differently. See, Elijah went into the cave and started talking about the glory days, the way things used to be. I loved what the missionary said on Sunday. Hey, I'd rather live in the past. It's cheaper there. Elijah feels washed up. He's like, I'm done. It's done. The best days are past. I did this. It was a great run. Jezebel's coming. She's already killed other people, so I know she ain't playing. That woman is psycho. Okay, so I know she's coming. So it was a good run, God. It's a good run. But God doesn't let him stay there. He reaches to Elijah, and God shows Elijah an earthquake and a fire and some amazing things. And after he gets Elijah's attention, the Bible says he asks Elijah a point-blank question in verse 13. He says, and it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle. And he went out, and he stood in the entering in the cave. And behold, there came a voice and said, what doest thou here, Elijah? What are you doing here, Elijah? Why are you here? Sometimes when you get down, you just got to say, what am I doing here? And I pose those questions to all of us tonight. Again, 2020, it hasn't gone like we want it to. It's been a frustrating year. Situations are not what they should be, at least, at least not what we think they should be. And for many believers, we're talking about when is the world going to end? The church is being persecuted. It's better to isolate and hide out. Well, it just seems like a little bit like Elijah here. 
In verse 14, he, Elijah, said, I've been very jealous. I, I, they, they're trying to kill me. They're, Elijah starts talking about the glory days and all the things God used to do. And God says to him in verse 15, he says, go, return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou comest, anoint Azael to be king over Syria. Huh? Hang on here. I'm whining a second. I'm feeling down. You're telling me to get back to work. Could it be sometimes that when we feel down and discouraged and depressed that the very best thing for you is to just get back to work? That's why this coronavirus stuff, it's, it's been detrimental for all we've known people who have been sick. My friend, I just literally found out at 5 o'clock that my friend that I used to serve on the youth team with died. I just found out right before service. So I know it's, it's, it's a real thing. I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not just saying, oh, let it, it, just let it go. No, it's real. But the detrimental part is not just a virus. It's the fact that the church, we get comfortable sitting at home. We get comfortable getting away from serving, from giving, from engaging in worship. And before we know it, all the spiritual disciplines that that bring us into a life of commitment and consecration, they're set on a back burner because flesh took over, and well, it was this situation, it was this situation, we can, and we can justify it all we want, but somewhere along the line, it's real easy for our flesh to get lazy and to just say, hey. Sometimes the best thing in the midst of international chaos Look at God. God does not say, yeah, but I talked about, yeah, but they're going to be okay. Yeah, but, but yeah, but don't worry about that. Yeah, but he never even addresses all the things that Elijah's stressing about because guess what? Those are valid reasons to stress. But God says, hold it. Those people were never in control from the get-go. And you know what? The best thing for you, Elijah, right now, get up and get back to work. Get up and get back to work. And so he says, and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you're going to anoint him too. He could be king over Israel. And Eliza, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, of Abel-Meholah, shalt thou anoint to be prophet in thy room. Wow, I got work. So I got the king of Syria. I got the, the king of Israel. I got the next, this other prophet. And it shall come to pass that him escape at the sword of Hazael shall Jehu slay. And him that escapeth the sword of Jehu shall Elisha slay. He's like, so now you got, you know what, you don't need to worry about it. You're saying you're alone. I want you to go anoint a king in Syria, anoint a king in Israel, and anoint a prophet. And you know what? Between those three, they're going to take care of them. They're going to wipe out all the sinners that are causing you issues. But all this is indicative of you getting out of this cave and getting back to work. How many people right now in our community are waiting to receive an anointing and a calling from God. But that is only going to happen when the people of God stop worrying and hiding out in the cave and getting back into the community and saying, I'm here to tell you about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And they are going to experience a calling directly from God that is not only going to change that person's future, but it's going to change your future and it's going to change all of the community's future. When the people of God. He says, yet I've left 
Me 7,000 in Israel, all the knees who have not bowed unto Baal, and every mouth which hath not kissed him. So Elijah, man, you're sitting here because when you get down, you always feel like it's me and myself and I, and nobody's helping. I'm by myself and nobody cares. But guess what? Man, there's 7,000 people. So you're really exaggerating a lot, Elijah. So you know what? Get your perspective back, stand up, and get back to work. And I think that's a message for the church because we fought fear and anxiety and frustration. And God hasn't done all the things we thought he should in the time he should. But it's really kind of gotten to the point here today online that it's time that the church just starts to stand back up and says, I'm not going to sit in this cave anymore. I'm going to get back out there because there are people that God is wanting to anoint and to call into next level ministry but he wants to use me, and I'm too worried about things hiding out in a cave, and it's time for me to stand up. Why? Because what is God saying? Elijah, you're telling me about all these great things of yesteryear, but Elijah, your best days are not behind you. Your best days are ahead of you. So he departed thence and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing a field with the 12 yoke of oxen with him. He sat and, and, and he, he with the 12. And Elijah passed him and he cast his mantle on him. In addition to the things God wants to do in Elijah, God lets him know, not only do I have you, I have thousands of people. Elijah, your best days are still ahead. So I'm just here to, 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 to tell you. Some of you, you've seen some great things. I mean, like, you've prayed with people. You saw miracles. You've taught Bible study, Sunday school, praise team, preached. And you've done incredible things. And sometimes we maybe are getting older in age. We say, oh, man, my best days are behind me. I've seen. I remember when. Oh, back in the day I used to do this. Back in the day I was a part of this. Back in the day it was this. And we, and we sometimes wonder, are we ever going to see that again? I'm here to tell someone. It doesn't matter if you're 20, 40, 60, 80. Your best days are still ahead. Your best days are still Ahead of you. And, and, and why am I saying that? Because you have to have the dream that sometimes God just needs to show back up and say, quit hiding out in the cave. Stand up. Come to the door. Let's talk about this. You've seen some great things, and they've been wonderful. But I'm not done with you. Is anybody here thankful that God is not done with you? Could you just clap your hands if you're thankful that God is not done with you. He has not lost track of you. He has not forgotten you. 2020 is not happening because God fell asleep. He's here today calling someone out of, out of a cave of despair, out of a den of doubt, out of a season of hopelessness, out of a time of hurt, brokenness, and confusion. Some of us have had God do these things, but you know what? He wants to do more. You have not experienced the pinnacle of God's calling in your life. But somewhere along the line, the world didn't send us the things that we were expecting. We lost our job. Someone got sick. Someone we loved died. Someone didn't respond to the Bible study you taught, so you quit. Someone close to you hurt you so bad. You got hurt by someone at the church. COVID-19 hit. You isolated and felt alone. And now it's hard to get back. And you're saying, well, I just don't know if it's time. I just So we, we begin running. And we, we start to say, well, God, I'm just not sure. Where do I fit? What's my calling? What should I be? We Get, we, we, we almost get used to being alone. The cave of loneliness and despair actually got so comfortable that we stopped dreaming. 
hold it, did that really happen? Did the cave of loneliness and despair actually, we went in because it was a tough season, but we actually got comfortable there? That we stopped dreaming? Do you still dream about what God wants to use you to do in someone's life? Do you still dream about the role that God has for you in this church? Do you still dream about what the future looks like at the end of the campaign when we move forward about all the things that God's going to do? Or did we lose that somewhere along the line? Did we hang out in a cave of loneliness so long that we say, well, I've just gotten kind of used to being here. Matter of fact, I'm not going to serve in that ministry anymore. I'm not going to serve in this one. I'm going to be, I'm just going to kind of back up a little bit. Why? Because I've, I've just gotten used to this. God's sitting here going, hold on. Certainly those were great days. But I'm not done with you. Stand up and come to the cave. Come to the door. Let's have a conversation. Let me tell you about all the things that I still have planned. Oh, yeah, but look at the world. Look at out there. Absolutely. God is coming back soon. He's absolutely coming back soon. But guess what? Not yet. Sometimes I think we love that saying so much because we say, well, praise God. Thank God I'm in church. I'm here. I'm faithful. Let him come. And we almost can take that as like a comfort. Like, yeah, I hope he does come back soon. He is coming back soon. But not yet. So he's calling the church and going, get out of the cave. It's not the time. It's not the time to hang out here. It's not the time to quit. It's not the time to feel lonely. It's not the time to say no one else is out there. That's not the truth. I have a whole bunch of people that are just as hungry for me as ever before. I have people that I'm calling, but I need you to go get them. I need you to go pray with them. I need to go you to go lay your hands on them. I need you to go find them. I need you to go to the field and find where the Elisha is. Elijah had to go find Elisha out in the field. What happens if Elijah says, I'm going to just stay in this cave? I think something's finally, I'm at the end of my message, and I'm finally starting to feel something shift here, that you're starting to get it. God right now is saying to you, the field has people in it that are working right now, and they think that they're doing right, and, and, the, and they're out there, and I'm sending you to go and get them. I'm sending you to go and say, hey, I, I'm going to throw them mantle on you about what God wants to do in your life. Why? Because not, God not only has a plan for your life, but he has a plan for mine still too. Why don't you stand to your feet? I'm almost done. But listen, there's still work to be done. It's a dangerous place. Hear me, please. Don't tune out. It's a dangerous place for humanity when the church begins to hide out in caves for fear of what is going on in society. And it's not just COVID. There's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in society. But it's a danger. What, what a terrible, terrible place, a dangerous place for humanity when the church begins to hide out in caves for fear of what's going on in society. And so Elijah, what did he do? That's what he did. God came immediately. He found him. He didn't just tell Elijah to get out of the cave. He didn't just say, stop whining, get going. He says, you think you're alone. You're not. 
He says, you think I'm done with you. I'm not. You think your best days are behind you. They're not. Get out here, man. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you, fine, I'm going to share a little plan. There's 7,000 people. You're going to anoint the next king of Syria. You're going to anoint the next king of, Judah, of, of Israel. You're going to anoint uh, the next prophet who's going to go beyond where you have even been. Imagine if Elijah says, no, I'm done. I tried and I'm done. I'm, I quit. I'm out. I'm not doing this ministry anymore. It's been too hard. Absolutely, it has been hard. And some of the things you've done and, and some of you, you've been around longer than I have. And so you've been plowing a long time and the back is hurting and the mind and the heart hurts and people have hurt you and you're like how much longer every time I try to pick myself up and then I end up back in the cave and then I try to pick myself up again and I end up back in the cave and then there's the juniper tree and so I either go to the juniper tree or the cave but either way it feels good I lick my wounds and I say just leave me alone for a little while and that's fine if you take a season to do that but eventually you can't stay in the cave forever if you say I'm tired I need a break. I got it. That's fine, but just know you can't live in the cave forever. At some point, God says, All right, I sent an angel. I nourished you, but now it's time to stand up, come to the door, and let me tell you about my plan. There are people out here that need you. There are people out in the community that have got to hear your voice as you go up to them and say, God has a mission for you. God has a mission for you. God has a mission for you. And what happened? happens if Elijah says, no, I'm not doing it. We don't have Elisha in all the miracles he does. We don't have Jehu, who is the one that takes care of Jezebel and takes care of the mess that's in Israel. We don't have uh, the chariot of fire that literally comes down and takes Elijah away and he never sees death. God has great things. The greatest things that you have ever seen, they are not in your past someone has to hear me right now the greatest things that you have ever seen or experienced they did not happen years ago they are getting ready to happen but there have to be some men and women in this church watching online that say okay I believe that I am going to stand up and I'm going to get back in this thing I've, I've, I've sat back a little bit but I'm going to get back in this because God has a plan and some of you are still wondering, is God's anointing still upon me? Does God still hear my prayers? Can I still make a difference? After all, like Elijah, our brain speaks to us and says, you're only one person. I'm only one person. How much difference can I really make in a church, in a community? I'm only one, one guy. I'm one gal. I'm one kid. We figure, oh, we're better off in the cave. So we leave church. We quit ministry. We step away. We, we just say, you know, I'm, I'm only one person. It's not that big of a deal. And something happened along the way that you didn't expect. Now you've gone into a cave for protection from your hurt. You feel all alone, wondering if God wants to use you or if he even has a plan for you. And you feel like, oh, my work's done. The greatest days are behind. I'm done. I'm washed up. Jezebel's coming for me. The world's getting ready to end. And so I just want to just chill here and try and make it. And God's looking at you tonight and he's saying, what are you doing here? been here a while, I get it. Sent an angel, we nourished you. God believes in that rest, Sabbath. Elijah, man, this cave, it's got your Listerine and your toothbrush and your deodorant and your razor. Man, Elijah, did you move in here? 
you came here for a season, but you went ahead and had Nebraska Furniture Mart deliver you a mattress. Are you living here now? Yeah, God, well, these are all the things that happened. Yeah, I know. Do you think I, I wasn't there? I was there. Do you think I lose track of you? I know. But I have a plan. And my plan includes you. And so here's what I need from you. I need you to get back in the fight. I need you to get out of this cave. And I have a mission for you to do. And you know what? Your whole life, the greatest things you've seen, you're getting ready to see them right at the end here. You thought that was great. You thought it was great to call down fire from heaven and consume a sacrifice? Just sit tight, because fire is about to call, come from heaven. And it's actually going to engulf you. And you're never going to see death. Why? Because you're going to come be with me forever. Oh, you thought you saw the greatest things? You haven't seen them yet. But right now, I just need you to get out of the cave. I just need you to get back in this thing. Because there are people working in fields that you have to go find right now. So church, your greatest days are still ahead of you. But whether or not God does these things, that's not indicative of God. God's going to do it. But will you sit where you are or will you get out of that cave and get back in this thing? Yeah, but all this stuff that I, No, 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 no. It is time and God is saying, get back in it and go find the person in the field. I'm asking if you would just find a place to pray right now. God's speaking to somebody, and he's trying to encourage someone, to challenge someone, to let you know, I I'm not done with you. Your greatest days are behind you. Your greatest days are ahead of you. And I have a plan for you, but I need you right now to get out of this cave, to get back in this thing. Jesus, help us. Help us, God. Help us, God. Lord, help us, Jesus, to not live in fear, to not live in anxiety. God, but to know the battle's not ours, it's yours. No matter who comes against us or what they say. God, if it's 450 prophets or one crazy lady named Jezebel, we can say, oh, no, no. Thanks for letting me know, but I never served you. This is God. God's got this. So with all due respect, I'm going to do what God tells me to do and trust that he just knows what he's doing. And I refuse to... I might, I, oh, you might find me occasionally under a juniper tree, but you ain't going to find me there long. You ain't going to find my toothpaste and my deodorant and my toothbrush in a cave. You're not going to find my mattress there. No, 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 no. That's not where I live. I might drop in occasionally just to re-energize and rest for a minute, but that's not where I live. My God's got a mission for me. And my mission is serving. My mission is reaching. My mission is going to the field. My mission is finding the next person that's going to make a difference in this world, in this church. Oh, God, speak to us, Lord. Help us, I pray, to get in this thing. Help us not to give up. Help us not to quit, Lord. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Take me to the place where your peace and your love overflows. Where my heart is set free from all shame and guilt, chains are undone.
Touches earth and 